All right, you guys want to, we're going to be sitting in James for a little bit today. Um, James 1, a lot of you guys know this. Um, a lot of you guys don't want to do this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of any kind. <laughs> and everybody's like, do I have to say amen to that? Yes, you do. It says, count it joy. Be grateful. Why? Because says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Some other, uh, some other translations say it produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Makes more sense now when you think about it, right? Steadfastness, patience. But um, had a day yesterday. We were busy all day yesterday, and I got home, and I was like, okay, God, I have this message prepared, part of this message prepared that really was like, this is really good. And I'm like, there's no way, like, I could not get it completed. I was like, there's, I'm not able, God wasn't giving me the rest of what I needed to teach. So I'm like, okay, God, what are you going to talk to me about? And he's like, he goes, um, he directed me to a message I had preached before, and he helped me rework it. So I want to I want to teach it this way. So I'm teaching an old message in a different way. So if you guys have heard this before, get over it. You'll be fine. Um, yeah, you'll you'll just get it twice, and it'll be helpful for you. Okay. So parents, I'm going to ask you a question. If you take care of every need and want of your kids, what happens? They become spoiled, yes. They become entitled. What do you become? You become the genie. What do you want, master? Yes, master, here you go. Here, I hand it to you. So we become a genie in a delivery service for our kids. What happens is, is in a Christian walk, we expect God to do that. God, I asked you for that. Do that for me. God, I asked you to do this for me. Why didn't you do this for me? Now I'm mad at you because you didn't do this for me. And then we become entitled, like we should be able to tell God what we want and he should do it for us. I mean, there's nowhere in scripture that it talks about that. It talks that ask God, go and come to him in thanksgiving and praise. Ask him, make your request known to him and he will take care of you. It doesn't say go to God, tell him that this is what you want, how you want it, when you want it. And when you want to deposit it into your bank account, or when you want it pulled into your driveway or when you want this certain thing taken care of and he will do that for you. Am I right? Okay, yes, there is no spot in the Bible that it says that. But waiting produces character. People don't like to wait. We were in line last Sunday night. John and Donna kidnapped us, dragged us into a, a foreign city in their vehicle, and we were waiting in line. No, I'm just kidding. They, they invited us to go to a concert with them, and we were in a, and we were driving. We went to Kalamazoo, and every, it was great. We had dinner. We drove to the exit, and as soon as we got to the exit, there was a line to go into, to go into the the. Um, if you ever been to Kalamazoo Stadium, K Wing Stadium, it's kind of off the highway, and you got to wrap around. And we're waiting there, and all of a sudden we hear a beep, 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 and and then somebody stands outside of their vehicle, and they're screaming at somebody else. And then we're waiting in line, and somebody. Right, roll, rolls right in front of us really quickly and then there's people just and then there, we watched a car go in front of like three other cars to get in and I'm like what kind of concert are we going to <laughs> and I was like wow it was a Christian concert <laughs> that was the sad thing is I watched people so willing 
to get in an accident, be rude to people, to get a good parking spot. And all I had to do was have my friend John throw his handicapped parking spot thing in, <laughs> and we walked in like no problem. It was great. But what, we've, what we have in our culture is this. I can drive through Starbucks and instantly get what I want. I don't know. I don't drive through Starbucks, so I don't, you know, coffee's from the devil, I think. So we can drive through a fast food place, and within a couple minutes, we get what we want. But, you know, we go to Culver's, and they're like, I have to wait? You're giving me a number? I, why do I have to wait? This is fast food. <laughs> I shouldn't have to wait because I just paid you for my food. You should hand it to me instantly. But waiting produces character. God is not going to give you what you want immediately. There's times where God's miracle shows up when you need it. But when we expect God to show up and immediately drop it in our hands, God, I need money for this. I need you to give it to me right now. I'm looking at your bank account. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Why is it not there? It doesn't work that way. But we want God to work that way. We want God to magically get on his little uh, heavenly computer and do a transfer into our savings account when we need it. And God doesn't work that way. God works through the people that are in your lives. He works with people that show up and they bless you with things and they, and they help you out with things. But we, we expect God to work solely through him, but he's like, I've put you in a community of people that will help you to live life together. They will work with you. They will sweat with you. They will pray with you. They will toil with you. When you think you're toiling, you're like, oh, he's just not going to show up. And they're like, yeah, I'm just here to help you out. Waiting produces character, expectation, and joy when it comes into existence or when it comes into view. You guys ever been just praying for something and expecting, and you're like, God, I know you're going to take care of me. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it. But I just know you're going to do it. Like you just have an expectation that God is good and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And then when it comes into view, you're like, yes, yes I got it. God took care of me. I knew he would, but the character happens, the building of your character happens while you're waiting for God. You ever been waiting for a new job? And you're like, I can't do this job anymore. You know, like, I worked at a job for almost 10 years, and it was, like, literally one of the worst jobs I ever worked. Why did I work there? Because it produced character in me. It produced something in me that when I went to the next job, I took it with me. God does not, God does not give us circumstances and situations to produce character in us and then say, well, you know what? I don't need it anymore. I'm going to move on. And then, well, I need it now. No, God works in us so that when we grow... He moves us into a, a more mature level. And then he says, okay, now it's time for you to advance in your job, your situation in life, whatever it is. And he says, now that character that you've received while you've worked there, that you produ I produced in you, that fruit that grew in you, is now going to be fruit that can be used in the next stage of your life. Waiting gives us time to produce faith. Waiting gives us time to say, hey, I'm going to wait on God, but I'm going to keep reminding God. And he, he, sometimes reminding God is, um, I think sometimes, and as Christians, 
we don't want to go to God. We want to tell him once and go to him. But we, I think going to God and just reminding him, God, I just thank you that you're working in my life for this. God, I just thank you that you're, and thank him for what he's doing. So many times we go to God and we just say, God, why aren't you doing this? I need you to do it now. Do it now. It's like, mom, 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 mom. And the kids are tapping on you, tugging on you. And we become, an, we become annoying instead of, of children reminding their father of what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. We ask him once and he knows what he's doing. But I think going to God and say, thank you, God, that you are working in me. Thank you that you're producing something in me so that when you are coming through with the blessing in my life, the, 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 the thing I need next in my life, that I'll be ready to handle it. Okay, my question to you is this. How many of you guys have uh, a child between 10 and 15? Okay, a couple of you do. Would you give your kid the keys to your vehicle? <laughs> Amy's like, no, I wouldn't. And Bradley's like, yes, I would take them. <laughs> but here's the thing is you would never give a three-year-old the keys to your car, and you never give a 10-year-old the keys to your car, but you may allow your 10-year-old to help move the car from one parking spot to the other just when they first start. I did that with my kids. I, Lana was driving. I gave Lana the keys to the car at six, and she moved the car around the, the thing. Yeah, she was about six or seven. I, you weren't home. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, she was like 14 at the time. I mean, she was 14 at six. So um, she was kind of like butt at the edge of the seat. And just I had it. I said, just put it in here and then hit the middle, hit that middle, that big long one on the left when you need to stop it. So it was just kind of. It rolled and then just stopped it. But um, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm probably going to get in trouble when I get home from that one. <laughs> but um, you don't give your child the car and say, hey, go pick up some Mountain Dew at the store for me. I'm really thirsty and I don't feel like doing it when they're 10 years old. I mean, you probably could. When I was a kid, if you were 10, you were driving. Because you, you know, yes, farm kids, if, you were if you're 10, you're driving something. You're, it's either a tractor, a truck, some kind of hay wagon, something. You're driving it at 10. Um, I remember as a kid watching kids that were 15 and under drive by, and they, I lived in a town that did potatoes, and there'd be kids driving tractors full of uh, a wagon full of potatoes, and I'm like, that kid's not old enough to drive, but you know he's driving because you know, hey, you're not gonna pay that kid. Um, <laughs> but you're not going to give your kid the keys to something that they can't handle. I've given keys to somebody I thought could handle, and they put a dent in my side of my garage, and uh, my car was trashed up inside now. But I made a mistake. But what happens is, no, it wasn't Jordan. It's OK. You know, Jordan's actually pretty good at driving, unless there's a log in front of him. Um, so but we don't give our kids things that they cannot handle and aren't mature enough to do that. Have you done that before? Have you given your kids something that they weren't mature enough to handle at one point? Yes, you do, and you, you realize, yeah, they probably shouldn't have that. You make that mistake, you, especially with your first kid. You're just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it probably wasn't good. And then you take it back and be like, we're going to wait a year, you know? Yes. It's like, I don't understand people who give their kids cell phones at like six. I'm like, really? Do your kid need a cell phone? They, like, they need to tweet when they're, you know, in the second grade, you know? Like, God does not give us things that we cannot handle in the maturity sense of it. He will give us opportunities to grow. 
He gives us situations to grow our maturity, to grow in our confidence in him and our, our reliance in him. He doesn't give us situations to say, oh, good luck with that. I'm going to see, I want to see you fail. God is always in the, the, the mindset of leveling us up to the next level. So the, the situations that come to us, we're able to handle. You guys ever felt like you weren't able to handle a situation? Like there's something coming and there's something going on and I don't know what to do with the situation. You ever had those moments and then you just take some time and you take, you take 10 minutes, five minutes to pray. And it's like, God, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't know how to handle this situation. But you take five minutes to get before him and pray. And you're like, God, I need your wisdom. I need your understanding. I need to know how to take care of the situation. And in five to 10 minutes, he gives you what you need. He may not give you the full answer, but he gives you that, that, that answer for the situation at that moment. Say, sometimes it's like, here's what I need to do. And so other times it's like, just let me be God and take care of it for you. Other times it's, here's the full explanation of how you need to live and what you need to do. But sometimes struggling is good. We need to let our, our children struggle as parents sometimes. And that sounds really bad. <gasps> struggle, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying don't feed them. I'm saying... <laughs> I'm saying let them struggle through things. It produces character in them. It produces learning in them. It helps them learn how to problem solve. I'm, I'm, not, gonna, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Um, <laughs> I learned how to problem solve as a young kid. I can problem solve really quickly. Sometimes it's just smacking it with a hammer and be done with it. And other times it's actually breaking it down and saying this is what's going on. And that's because I was taught as a young kid how to do things. I was shown, here's a problem, here's how you make things, learn how to make it. And I think so many times now, you know, my dad gave me things to do. Here's a hammer, here's nails, how do you make a box? Show, it's like, okay, you know it's square? Is it going to be square when I put it together? Probably not, but it's learning how to use a hammer and nails. I had to learn how to problem solve. Now it's dads are like, oh, just give it to me, I'll make it for you. You know, kids, uh, my daughter had school projects and she would go to school and be like, yeah, the parents made most of the kids projects and I had to make it myself. But we need to let our kids learn how to do things. It's the same way with God. He allows us to learn how to do things. He allows us to make mistakes. How many of you guys ever made a mistake? Have you guys ever made a really bad mistake? And you're like, oh, crap, I didn't really, that was bad. I need to, I need to change that. You're like, Jesus, I need grace right now. I need your forgiveness. And then, but he allows us to move and be with him. The problem is, is we, we're so busy trying to be perfect in his sight. And he's like, I created you to be a human being. That means be with me, be present with me, allow me to be in your life. And he allows us to change our behavior, our mode of, of, of response because we're learning and growing. He gives us those opportunities to learn how to make that box like we did when we were five years old and our dad gives us hammer and nails. If God took care of everything for us, there would be no relationship. It would be, an, a, a, it would be only expectation of everything I want is given me. It'd be like a vending machine. I go up and I push the number I want, I get what I want. But we need adversity in our life. We need that struggle. We need those times of learning. Uh, my, 
or Lana asked us a couple, I don't know, I think it was Lana, a couple weeks ago. She goes, how do you guys get up and preach every, oh, Layla, sorry. It was one of the owls. I don't know. It was the, it was the older one. Um, it was, it was 1.0 and 2.0. No, I'm just kidding. I used to call them that. I mean, what, I used to call them 1.0 and 2.0. Um, but Layla asked, she goes, how do you guys preach a message every week? I said, I don't know. <laughs> she just kind of looked at us. We just said, it's the, it's the thing God has graced us to do. He's given us the grace to do this. And, and would his hand sometimes, can his hand be moved from that? Yes, absolutely. But he's given us the grace to do what we need to do in the season. Could we have done this 15 years ago? No. Did we do it 15 years ago? Yes. <laughs> Did we do it well 15 years ago? No. Do we do it well now? Mm, I don't know. But you know what? He gave us the grace to do that. And Sarah and I were talking. I said, God allowed us to go through struggles in 06 to learn how to preach to people because we were preaching to a bunch of 15-year-olds. They were putting their heads through the drywall, wrestling, and doing stupid stuff. But God gave us the ability and gave us the grace to do that. Did we learn from that? Yes. Sometimes our learning doesn't always come through something bad happening. It comes from giving the opportunity to learn from it. God gives us those opportunities to learn from our everyday life. He gives us opportunities to learn how to trust him more, rely on him more, speak to him more, put our faith in him more. And a lot of those th three of those things were pretty much almost all the same, but they're all different at the same time. Sometimes struggle is good because it allows us to, to tap into a deeper level of trust and relationship with our Father. Like I said, allowing our kids to struggle. We need dads that, are allow, that will allow their kids to struggle and encourage them through that. We have too many, too many people in life now, too many um, boys that are of man age. I'm, I'm serious. We have too many 18, 19, 20 plus year old boys who never were taught by their father to how to struggle, but to be encouraged while they're struggling. You can do it. You're going to be good at this. Instead of, oh, that's stupid. Stop doing that. You ever wanted to say that to somebody? That's stupid. Stop doing that. Yes, we've all wanted to say that to somebody. But we need fathers to tell their sons, you're doing a good job, even though they're struggling and not doing a good job. Because what's happening is they're learning. It's the same way with our father. When we're struggling and going through stuff, he's like, it's okay. You're going to get through this. You're going to do it. And you're learning what to do. So what James says is this. is He says, you know what? Hey, your struggle... Rejoice in it. It produces various kinds of patience and character. And then it says in verse 4, it says, Let steadfastness, wow, can't say that. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. 
God gives us those opportunities to struggle, to go through trials, that when we go through those, that something, when we come out of those, we don't lose something, we gain something. God doesn't say, oh, I'm going to let this trial happen, this struggle happen in your life so that when you come out of it, you're worse off than you were before. No, he gives us and allows us to go through, gives us opportunities and allows us to go through those. So when we come out of those, we can say, man, I came in not knowing if God was going to take care of me. And by the end of that, that, that time, that season, that hallway, whatever it was, I learned that God was going to take care of me, that he was with me, that he gave me the tools that I needed to go through that. But what happens is we start to go through that trial and we're like, well, oh, oh. Instead of relying on God, we get the panic. And um, I love it when I have conversations with John and he talks about things. He does this weird thing. And I'm going to put my mic down. He says, when things go weird, I do this. He goes. <laughs> and, and I've seen him do that. He's like, I don't know what to do. He just waves his hands. And so, no, I love, I love John because he jokes around about that too. But I am. I love John. But what happens is, is this, is there's times where we just go, I don't know what to do. But it says in James, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. The problem is, is we go through the thing and just go, I don't know what to do. And just flail our hands around instead of reading the next verse. Go, oh, I need to ask God. You ever had a situation I've been working on things before, and I'm like, God, I don't know what's wrong with this. I said, I don't know how to fix this. And I said, God, give me wisdom on what I need to fix. And it was something it's so simple that I was missing that I didn't realize was there. And I'm like, oh, okay, God give, gave me the answer. to it. He goes, look there. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. He goes, just pull it apart. I'm like, oh, okay. And, I, and it was like, oh, it was something simple. I just missed a wire or I missed this. And I was like, okay, if we can ask him for simple things like, how do I fix this? And it wasn't an important thing. It was just a simple thing. How much more is he going to generously give us the answers to the big things in life? How much more is he going to give us and lead us into the proper understanding of who he is? See, when we rely on God, he says, I will give you wisdom. When we ask God, what, what did Solomon ask for? He could ask for anything. What did he ask for? He asked for wisdom. It says, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. I don't want to read that translation. I'm going to read this translation. I don't like that today. If any of you lack wisdom, God who gives everyone generously without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to you. But he must ask for wisdom with faith, without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea and is blown about and tossed with the wind. He says, ask and you shall receive. If we're struggling to get through a situation, there's a simple answer to that. And that is, if you lack wisdom, ask of your father. It should be that way as parents. If our kids are struggling through something, they should be able to come to us and ask us, hey, how do I take care of this? How do I fix this situation? I remember when our kids were younger and they would be in, in school and they would be like, well, this is going on at school with these people and these people and how do we, what do we say? 
And we gave them that wisdom. Now we're listening to them talk. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that wisdom when I was 30. Because what we did is we gave them the wisdom that we had when they were 10, 11 years old. And now they're, they're in adulthood now. And they're like, well, almost adulthood. You're adultish. You're adulting. She's adulting at a, an adultish age. Um, now I listen to the wisdom that she has that she, when she's talking to people. And it's like, because she asked for it. We have not because we ask not. We don't have wisdom from God because we're not asking for wisdom from God. Verse 7. For the person that does not receive from the Lord is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Without wisdom... Without heavenly wisdom, we become unstable in everything we do. We get tossed back and forth by everything that comes in our way. Life happens, and sometimes life sucks. Yes, I said that. Things happen that we cannot control. But during the storms, during the, the tossing of, the, of life back and forth, we still have an anchor, and that is our Father. We still can go to him even when we don't know what to do and say, how do I deal with this? And he can say, okay, I'm going to give you wisdom. And a lot of times wisdom, we, we think, okay, God, I'm just waiting. I'm just going to sit here and you're going to give me all the wisdom I have. No, I need all this wisdom. You're going to give it to me. No, he brings people into our circle that will give us wisdom. Because there's people that have gone through things in life that we have not gone through that can give us wisdom on how to go through that because God has shown them how to walk through that. Wisdom doesn't just come from not experiencing things sometimes. Don't get me wrong. God can impart wisdom in, in, in ways that like, okay, you just have wisdom in an area that you shouldn't have wisdom because God has given it to you. But a lot of wisdom, biblical godly wisdom, comes comes from experiencing that situation, walking through it, and then relaying it to the person next who's going through that in your life. So you can say, I know, you, I know you're walking through this. I've walked through it. Let me, get, let me help you walk through this. Let me give you wisdom on how to walk through that. God does not give us everything we want. Sorry to bum you out there. Yes. Mercy's just upset right now. She's just like, oh, really? Sometimes you have to work to get things done. If we give our kids everything they never want or they never hope for anything, it's always an entitlement and an expectation for that thing. I want this new toy. If I don't get it, I'm going to throw a fit. You know we act that way in front of God. You know we do. We're like, God, I didn't get this, and we're just throwing that little hissy spiritual fit, and he's just like, will you just shut up because I'm going to pull you out of the cart. We're just going to go home now. Um, <laughs> But allowing struggle in our life and not being upset when struggle happens. Like, wow, God, why'd you do this to me? No, he didn't do it to you. He allows you to go through things. God is not going to give us everything we want. He is there to supply our needs. He doesn't say, um, there's no book in the Bible that says, tell me what you want and I will get it for you. Tell me what you want, I will get it for you. No, there's nothing for that. This is not a Christmas list. 
I still don't get what my kids want on the Christmas list. I'm like, I like this. I think they'll like this. Actually, I don't do that. Sarah does all that. So I just pick up like one gift from dad and the rest of them are from mom and dad. So, yeah, because I don't do any of the shopping. Yeah. I suck at shopping. I'm just saying my wife can't take me shopping. We went to Aldi's last weekend. I'm like, oh, we should get that. We should get that. She's like, I can't take you shopping. And when she was turning, I'd be like, put this in there. And I'd put something else in there. All wives know that that's true. Husbands do it. Kids do it. And I just, I, what I do is I kind of tuck it in to the back. And then she just puts stuff in it. It kind of slides down. So she doesn't really realize it until she's up there. And then, and then we're all packing it up. And she's like, where'd that come from? I'm like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But here's the thing is, if God gave us everything we want, we wouldn't have a, rel- we wouldn't have a true reliance on him. Yeah. And I want to say it this way, is this. If we give him, or if he gave us everything we want, we wouldn't have a hope for anything. We wouldn't have a, a hopeful expectation that he's going to come through. Because he's not here to solve all our problems. He's here to give us wisdom for our problems. Sometimes we go to God expecting him to solve it. But it doesn't, when we expect him to solve it for us, it doesn't allow us to grow our faith in him, to trust in him. It doesn't allow, he doesn't want to do that because he wants us to be able to say, how did I go through this and how can I grow in a greater way from this? When you expect God to just do what you ask, he stops becoming God and he becomes a, 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 wait, a waiter or a, a, a delivery boy. 1 John 5.14 says this, if we, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God is our supplier in the time of need. He responds to us and he hears our cry and he rescues us. Look at, Remember, um, so Jesus is walking on the sea storms rolling that one disciple Jesus is that you I think it's Jesus he jumps out of the boat what's he doing he's walking on water he has the faith to jump out towards Jesus the rest of them are like dude's crazy he's insane actually he wasn't we always focus on the sinking part of it Yes, he did sink because he looked at his situation, his circumstances, and he began to sink. You know, everybody's like, oh, he took his eyes off Jesus. No, he didn't take his eyes off Jesus. It's that his trust in Jesus was superseded by what he was looking at around him. And what happens is, is this, is when we take our we take our circumstances and we look at everything that's happening around us instead of knowing and trusting and believing that God is who he says he is and he's going to take care of us, we start to sink. He says we have confidence towards him. He lost his confidence in Jesus. He didn't, he didn't take his eyes off Jesus. He lost his confidence that Jesus could actually, that he could walk to Jesus. But what happens is, is this, is when we take our eyes and look at what's happening around us. You guys ever been in a situation and you're like, I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know how 
this is going to be. It could be health, it could be family, it could be whatever. And you're just like, this is the most insane situation I've ever been in. How am I going to get through it? And then when you're through it, you're like, man, that was not as hard as it seemed to be. Because what happens is this, you started to look at the situation instead of looking at and trusting in the confidence that you had in him. Because there was, you ever been like, oh man, we're going to get through this. And then about halfway through, you're like, I don't know if we're going to get through this. Because what happens is our confidence in him starts to, we start to take our confidence away from him and start to put our confidence in the situation around us. And what happens is then we're like, well, I don't know. God is good. He's going to get me through this. Halfway through, we're like, I don't know if God's even real anymore. Please don't do that. But we lose our confidence in him because our confidence was never fully rooted in him. It was just in what he can do for me. But he says in in John, it says, this is the confidence we have towards him. Our confidence has to be towards him that when we ask according to what? His will, he hears us. The problem is, is we start going through a situation and we pray and then we're like, God, I need you to do this. And we don't get our answer in five minutes. And we're like, oh, he didn't hear me. He's mad at me. God's angry. No, it's not that way. He hears us, but he doesn't always answer us when we want him to answer us. Philippians 4.19 says, and this is the same God who takes care of me and will supply all your needs according to his riches that have been given to us in Christ Jesus. He hears us. He will supply our needs. He will take good care of us. But we can't always have an expectation and say, God, this is the timeline I need you to work on. I know I'm probably disappointing a lot of you today. It's okay. You'll get over it. But he works on his timing, not ours. He allows us to struggle because it produces something in us. He allows us to go through those things because sometimes it's going to produce more faith in us than it would be if he just gave us what we wanted immediately. I know that's an unpopular thing to say in our culture is that, you know, we have to struggle, that we are going to have to to learn when we go through things. It's unpopular in the church to say that God allows us to go through struggles. Everybody wants to just be, uh, it's all rainbows and, and roses, and Jesus just loves you the way you are. He does, but he wants something in your life to change. He loves you the way you are, but to have a relationship with him, something has to change. We can't stay the same and have a relationship with Jesus. We can't have the relationship that we had with him 10 years ago be the same as it, be the same today. There has to be a growth in the relationship with him. God will not give us everything he wants, but he will supply all of our needs. He will walk with us. He will stay with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. 
even though you think he's forsaking you, in our small, feeble minds, we don't understand that how what I will not leave you or forsake you means. We never get the full definition of that. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's why John says this is the confidence we have towards him. Then when we ask, he will hear us. So adversity causes us to grow. Adversity will cause us to have hard times that we will be able to learn from. It will give us wisdom to go through. Because here's the thing is, the hard times that you have had in your life, the adversity that's come, the trials that have come, be thankful for them because what happens is this. All these people around you, at one point, they're going to go through a similar situation in their life. And you have the ability to walk with them, walk through that with them, give them the ability so they may not have to struggle the way you struggle. I remember Sarah and I were talking like, how do, why did we have to go through all the things that we went through because nobody was there for us? I said, because now we can walk through that with people. Why did we not have that in our life? Because it produced something in us so we can walk through that with people who would not have somebody to walk through that with. So when God allows that to happen, when you think that this hard time, this, this trial is going to kill you, it's not. At the end of that, you can go, but did we die? No, we didn't. Well, what does it do? It produces something in us. And I want to encourage you to do this. We're going to close with this. When you go through that, write it down. We were talking with some friends friends last night, and they were talking about um, during sickness, he wrote down, he had a journal during sickness, and he was writing down all the things that were happening. He wrote down the scriptures. He was praying. He wrote down the scriptures that God gave him to go through that situation. And he's like, this is, I, I'm going through this. And he's like, I'm crying reading this, but I'm, show, I'm seeing the goodness of God in every journal entry I had. And God was reminding him of the goodness that he had. The goodness that they were receiving during that sickness and during that time. God was reminding them, I am still God. I have you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. So when you go through that, take note of it. Take note of where God showed up, where God moved in your life, because what happens is this. We quickly forget what God does for us. We can quickly forget what happens in our life. When God shows up, oh, that was great. Thank you, God. I love you, Jesus. Five months later, like, um, what was that? I don't remember. Take note of what God does for you, because what it does is it reminds us of his goodness. It reminds us, reminds us of his faithfulness, so we never forget who he is. We're quick to forget who he is. Write down the trials you're going through. Write down the resolution of what God brings for you when he shows up, when he walks with you, when he gives you just uh, uh, his presence and he, and he just touches you and says, I am with you. Write those down because those are encouragements to other people. So when they're going through that situation, say, man, when God was, I was going through this situation, God gave me this. He gave me this. He showed me this. He walked with me through this. He encouraged me through this. Struggle is not bad. Struggle produces something in us. And when we walk with God, it produces faith in us. It produces character in us. 
and everyone in this room, what you've gone through is a testament to what God has done in your life. And what you've gone through is a help to the person in this room. Let's pray.